American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another episode of American Hammers Radio. This is Tex joined by the man, the myth, the legend himself, Liam Bright for season three, episode two, coming off a West Ham United win, which means we're all a bunch of happy hammers until we have to start thinking about the next game. So, Liam, how are you doing? Doing well, man. Uh, this week has been a very eventful week, and I am uh, I'm thankful to be ju- jumping back on the mic with uh, with the the venerable, the incorrigible, the unbeatable Tex from the Fresno Irons. Man, who have you been listening to? Because that is a bunch of bullshit, and we all know that's not accurate. Um, obviously, West Ham uh, opened up the season at St. James's Park, which we had uh, outlined on the show had been a house of horrors for West Ham United the last two seasons, a place they could find no success, a team they could find no success against. It didn't matter where they played. Uh, Newcastle tended to get the best of us, and it looked to be that way in this game. Within the first five minutes, Callum Wilson got his customary goal against West Ham United by not splitting um, two def- splitting two defenders St. Maximin some beautiful footwork West Ham United unable to stop it and as you know if Callum Wilson gets a touch on the ball against West Ham United doesn't matter where it is on the pitch he could be sitting on the bench it will be a goal it will magically find its way into the back of the net which it did so West Ham go down early one nil. They kind of have to claw back into that game, Liam. And once they got a foothold in it, Aaron Cresswell sends in what we don't know if it was a cross or not, but (laughs) it made it into the corner of the net and he gets uh, credited with the goal after uh, looking at it for a while. I think initially it was given to Thomas Suchek or Jared Bowen, I think actually got the initial credit for it, but Bowen did his touch didn't happen until after it crossed the line. So West Ham equalize. Well, then, of course, we go right back down on um, a beautiful cross. No matter what I say, it was a beautiful cross from remind me the player's name because I tend to forget the guys we're all linked with. We should have bought him. Gets down by the touchline. Oh, oh, oh. um. Sends in a beautiful cross. Finds its way to the head of a Newcastle player. Uh, We go down 2-0. It's just, it's one of those situations where, of course, two players that are both linked with West Ham United, both of them uh, find ways to impact the game. One on the assist end, the other one finds the way to do it um, by actually netting a goal. Is it Matty Cash? Is that who it was? Not Matty Cash, but you're in in the right ballpark here. I'm going to tell you right now. It was Matt Ritchie. Oh, Matt Ritchie. There you go. So, uh, obviously, Matt Ritchie d- does a great job. The second goal, like, it is what it is, Liam. I think we both look at it and go, that was well worked by Newcastle and they did a great job. The first one's the frustrating one because, you know, they sends that cross in and, and St. Maximin, great job by him. That's a great individual effort. But to let Callum Wilson split due defenders, incredibly frustrating. But it didn't matter because West Ham found their way back into this thing. They get a penalty. On that penalty, um, we let Antonio step up and take it. Did you find that odd that Antonio well, was the guy? Oh well, yes and no. Like, because I, I do kind of feel like with last season, uh, Declan. I mean, what it was only like two penalties, and he makes one and misses one. So I, I could definitely see how uh, you know he was, might be a little bit hesitant to 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 step up to the spot. We don't have Lingard, so Lingard's obviously not going to take it. I mean, I kind of assumed that it was going to be Ben Rama because in the uh, uh, the, the Celtic game, when we had the penalty initially, Ben Rama was going to step up to take it, and then Noble was like, "Oh wait, no, fuck that, I'm going to take this," <laughs> and so though he and so he ends up taking it instead. But I was going to say, was the the penalty was the third goal, right? Yes, and I, I was I'm looking at it now. Saeed Ben Rama okay. equalized for us. That was a hell of a header, especially from a, he- a shorter player. And and the, the the best part was it was very it was eerily similar to the second Newcastle goal. So it was almost as though we mimicked the same thing. Where but this time Antonio drives in on the left hand side, you know, uh, just to the touchline, puts a ball in, and Ben Rama actually 
Even better, he heads it down so it takes like a bounce off the ground and then comes back up to, to score. But it was it was a hell of a header. I mean, you know, kudos to him. We kind of we kind of joked going into this season we were probably going to hear a lot of you know uh, goal by Ben Rama assisted by Antonio goal by Antonio assisted by Ben Rama and it was funny that that kind of um, already played in by that by that second goal but you're right with that third one um, I was a little surprised but I expected Antonio to bury it man what about you I, I look I love Mikel Antonio and I'm going to say this now and I know we're going to get into it later Mikel Antonio is not a natural finisher he's just no. not and. When you are taking anything from the penalty spot, you have to be a natural finisher, which is, it's funny to me um, that Benarama didn't take it because every highlight I've seen from his days at Brentford and everything that he's shown at West Ham United, uh, granted he's only scored two goals for the club, you see that he is a natural finisher, that he has that ability to place the ball where he wants it. So I was a little shocked that it was him. I honestly figured maybe Cresswell would be the one to come up and take that. So um, it's it's interesting because I saw a chart came out that was like um, the percentages for each of the uh, for each of the players, the the outfield players, and actually Cresswell was like zero for one <laughs> for penalties, like the one penalty he ever took, uh, he missed it. Uh, Said is six for six. So to to me, other than Mark Noble. I would say Ben Rama's the next person on the team sheet that should be taking these these kicks. And I, I think part of the benefit is because he hasn't really done it at the premier level, keepers probably don't have a lot of information on him. So it's harder for them to judge which side that he's going to go to. With Mikal, with a right-footed uh, player going to the right, it, you know that's kind of telegraphing. That's what I love about Mark Noble. He's a right-footed player that will put it wherever the fuck he wants, and it makes it incredibly difficult for a keeper to uh, to, to to guess which way he's going to go. That's why Mark Noble actually has a better conversion uh, penalty conversion rate than like even Julian Dix, which you know obviously he took a ton of penalties for us throughout the '90s and early 2000s. So it's interesting when you have these players that were big name guys from the spot, and you've got someone like Mark Noble who is clinical when it comes to the spot, but then he's not in the starting 11. So you really do have to find somebody that can be consistent, uh, but also isn't going to telegraph themselves. Yeah. It, it, you're, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's a- Antonio stepping up, take the spot kick. I mean, there's questions there. We're going to get into that. Um, obviously he hit, he tries to go to the right side. It's a great save by the Newcastle goalkeeper. And what ends up happening is Thomas Suchek, right place, right time. The checkmate uh, puts the ball right back into the net to give West Ham their first lead of the Premier League season, three to two. And I wanted to say it's hilarious when you watch the video feed of the Newcastle fans cheering when he saves the penalty kick. <laughs> and immediately the ball goes in and they're silent. And then the West Ham upper deck just completely explodes. I love it. That, that's, that's hilarious. And so West Ham get that goal and and absolutely love the fact that we finally have a lead at St. James Park. I mean, that's just massive. And then three minutes later, West Ham United again, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it was Ben Harama, yep. sends the ball to Mikel Antonio. He stretches it wide and then hits a rocket into the net to literally, it was a huge moment for Antonio. You saw the emotion but he puts West Ham up 4-2. Now we have a cushion in the 66th minute of this match against a team we really struggle against. And the little icing on the cake moment, that was his 47th goal for West Ham United, which now makes him the co-leader um, in Premier League goals scored for West Ham United with the legend of the club, Paulo De Cano. Um, absolutely great moment for him. May have been part of the reason he was the spot kit taker. May have been. Uh, you yeah. mentioned that to me on the phone in our post-game uh, conversation, as always. Um, but then West Ham go on to see out the game. They win the game 4-2. Um, and literally, from the first half to the second half, we saw two different teams there. Yeah. Um, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. Our best player, Declan Rice, did not play his best in that first half. I think he struggled. I, I who knows why, but in the second half, he was he was turning up trees. Uh, it was fun to watch him. He was a big part of the reason breaking up a lot of that play. wasn't allowing Saint Maximilian to get on the 
to get on the ball. And when he did, cutting off that run and making him give up the ball, which was key because if, if you play Newcastle, we know now they're a one-trick pony. They want to get their best player on the ball and allow him to create, which he created a goal in the game against us. And we took that away from him. And, you know, kudos to Matt Ritchie. Very good player. He should be sitting on our bench. Doesn't get the credit he deserves. Um, but at the end of the day, West Ham United find find a way to be relentless. And in a 13-minute stretch, and this is why this team is scary, they scored three goals. And pretty impressive from West Ham United. What were your overall thoughts of the team and their performance on Sunday at St. James Park? Well, it it had echoes of the first match against Spurs last season, right? Where we have three goals in a 10-minute span or whatnot. I mean, that's that's incredibly impressive for a team at a, you know, a first game of the season away from home. Typically, we we lose the first game of the season. So I want to say the last time we won was the 2-0 the win over Arsenal uh, at the last season of the Bolin. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting when you have, uh, you know, a, a team that's able to come back the way that this team was able to come back, uh, I, I was I was super impressed, man. I was floored. I'm with you. I think the first season or the first half of the of that game, I think we we did struggle, uh, but it's not so much how you start; it's how you finish, right? So for for us to finish, and it wasn't like two two, which you predicted. Uh, it wasn't even three two, but to finish it out four two, to me, that's a decisive win. Uh, I would have preferred had we knocked it out, you know, four nil <laughs> and completely shut them down uh, in that first half. But I mean, credit where credits due. I mean, they Newcastle came out of the gates blazing. I think we had some really good chances within those those first couple minutes. Uh, but I was glad that even by the time the second goal went in, we weren't deflated. We were still pushing. Uh, but I do I, I do want to give credit where credits due. Pablo Fornells had like four chances created in this match. So I know like the go-to is Saeed Benrama with the uh with the man of the match, but I actually want to say with Fornells, every single goal he played a key part. Especially with the um uh the 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 lead to the penalty because it's actually his ball over the top to find Sufal running in, then Sufal puts the ball in with a little bit too much pace so that uh that Mikhail can't get his head on it right and obviously it you know triggers right off the the bar and then Fornals is the one that's followed his cross into the box to be able to be there for rebounds and whatnot and then he's the one that gets tripped up trying to to make a play for the ball and he makes a meal of it right it's, it's kind of a soft pen but it doesn't matter a pen's a pen and you know at, at the end of the day we walk away with all three points so I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with this squad man I I I, I really do feel like this is a solid continuation of what we saw last season. How about for you? Well, first off, um, I love the fact that anytime you have a chance to give Pablo Fornell's credit, you love to let me know and you go on <laughs> an extended amount of time of your gushing about hit this player um, because it's been well documented on this podcast that um, I was on the uh, I was in the other party on Pablo Fornell's, but I'm uh, I'm eating my words now. I'm eating my words That's and. Right. Um, I want to uh, want you to know that I I am fully aware of Pablo Fornells and what he has meant to the club. Uh, I would say literally since the second half of last season, he's a top five. You know, he's one of the first five names on the team sheet for David Moyes. It's very clear. Yeah. Um, the thing that I'm most excited about th- this is this is what I've always believed about West Ham United, and I think we're finally starting to see it. This club is a big club. And no matter what anybody says, I'm going to believe that. They may operate with a small club mentality, but it is a big club. It's in the capital of England. Um, They are surrounded. They're in an area that, yes, is very blue collar, but nonetheless, I mean, this is like, I've always looked at West Ham as the people's champ. You know, that's just kind of what they are. And we're finally starting to do what I've always wanted to do is beat the teams you're supposed to beat. We're supposed to beat Newcastle by two goals. They are not on our level. Last year, those six points we lost against Newcastle cost us what would have been very, very special for us at the end of the season. So the way I kind of look at it, I'm really impressed with West Ham United's performance. I'm glad that we exercised those demons. You know, we got the father to come in, throw the holy water on us and get this shit going (laughs) because those are games you have to win. And it was really an impressive uh, match for West Ham United. And look at the goal scoring. I mean, four different people in the goals 
um, people contributing. The team is clearly playing together. We are not a one-trick pony. We can hurt you a bunch of different ways. Um, and I, I look at it right now, and I, let's be real. Let's say this right now. There, If you look at the title contention, normally you can say one of the big six. Arsenal are not going to be in it, and Tottenham are not going to be in it. We know that. Right now, it's a four-team race. There is no reason we can't be that fifth team. Yes. There's no reason. Well, well, and I think that that's what that's what always makes it incredibly interesting in the Premier League, right? Because I don't think you can go into it saying definitively who the the top four teams are going to be. Because there's, I think there's a lot of teams out there that that have the potential to do that. It's just a matter of whether or not, you know, injuries play too big of a part, or um, you know, if if uh, they struggle for a couple matches and all of a sudden, you know, there's there's a, a coaching change. I mean, all of these things play a huge, huge part. In how these seasons transpire. I mean, you, you look at for us, you know, the the season before when uh, we still had Manuel Pellegrini, and then all of a sudden we're in relegation. David Moy steps back in, and all of a sudden, you know, that that team is revitalized. If you really look at what we we're able to do, even at the back half of that season, if we had been able to ha- do that all season long, we would have finished top ten. So to be able to showcase that, do that last season, and then you know, kickstart this season. I mean, let's be honest, the preseason matches we weren't playing you know, incredibly stiff competition. But the teams that you would have thought would have been uh, a, a true test for us to to try to defeat with a team like Celtic, like that should have been a much closer game. But to dismantle them 6-2, I mean, that shows the quality of the squad. You hit the nail on the head. And, you know, speaking of the quality of the squad, there is a player that's quality continues to get better. He's wearing a new number this year, which I think is awesome. Number nine, Mikel Antonio. <laughs> so let, let's bring this player up for a minute. Obviously he stepped up to take the penalty. So before we move on, let me ask you this question and we can be short and sweet about this because I have a clear opinion. Who takes the penalties for West Ham United considering Mark Noble is sitting on the bench, who is one of the greatest penalty takers in premier league history. I mean, for, for me, the, the eye test still would, would still say, um, Mikel Antonio. You know, if he's supposed to be the number nine, he's supposed to be, you know, well, he is the leading goal scorer since we've uh, moved into uh, the the modern era, right? The Premier League era. I mean, before that, you've got Vic Watson, who, who technically with like 289 goals or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, my thought would be, why wouldn't you have your striker take the kicks? I mean, that's what always makes sense. But we're West Ham United. We never do the things the way that it would make the most sense. I mean, why would you have Mark Noble taking penalty kicks when you had strikers like Andy, Andy Carroll, like um, Carlton Cole, like uh, 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 even Chicharito. Like, the, you know, there were multiple players that could have easily stepped up to take these kicks, but you've got Mark Noble taking them. I kind of feel like maybe you keep that same mentality and you go with one of the midfielders. I think that Bowen uh, would probably actually do very well uh, from, the, from, the, from, from 12 yards out. I still think Ben Rama for me is probably going to be my first pick, uh, but I'd even give Fornells a shout <laughs> at this point. I mean, he, the the kid seems to make magic happen out of absolutely nowhere. So uh, I'd be interested to see who your pick is, kind of going into these next several games. I think if you're wearing the captain's armband, you need to be taking the penalties. That's just what I'm used to at West Ham United. I think it needs to be Declan Rice. I think Declan at 22 years old. Or is he 20? He's 22 or 23 now. Um, I think he's the guy that needs to do it. And I'm a little perturbed that he didn't take it. And the reason why is because, look, I love Mikel Antonio, but I don't believe he's a natural finisher. I think he's a very good striker, but I think he's had to learn how to do that. Um, Case in point, you know, for every shot that he has, that rocket he fired in, you know, he has, you know, he has a header that goes off the, the bar that he should be able to redirect in. I understand the ball came in with a lot of pace, but a natural finisher knows how to take that ball and get it to where it needs to go. Um, So to me, it's Declan. Declan has to be that guy. And I I hope that we get to see that. I Mark Noble, it was unquestioned. Nobody took the ball from Mark Noble. And I feel like with Declan, sometimes he is a little hesitant to, um, you know, put his foot down and say, no, I'm taking this thing. So I'm hoping that they make that change. Although my backup would be Benarama. I think he's the next player 
on that list, but I really, really, really would love to see Declan Rice be that guy and take over. Um, and, and in no way, shape, or form are we upset that Antonio took it. We're just, you know, the penalty is, I mean, guys, that's a free throw. We have to, you have to put that in. Like, you can't miss those things. Those are, that's a free goal. You have to make it. Don't give the, I mean, that's a huge momentum thing if the team that saves it, because now all the momentum's back on their side. And so you get that penalty, you have to bury that penalty and make that team pay for whatever mistake they did make. Um, obviously, there's some thought process, and I think you brought it up. Obviously, you know, you and Michael Antonio talk from time to time, and everybody, if you don't know that, it's it's a very accurate statement with all the bullshit that I say. Yeah, um, no, Mickey, Mickey and I are close, man, um, dating back to his days at Nottingham Forest. So, I yeah. mean, it was just a stroke of luck. I mean, I was the one that recommended that he look to West Ham and he have his agent really push for it. And I mean, it's paid off dividends as he keeps saying, not bad for a right back. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Mikel Antonio is now the joint leader in goals for West Ham United. 47 of them. And it's when I heard that number, I was like, really? He scored 47 times for West Ham United. When you think about it, he's consistently put in seven to nine goals Every year he's been there. And, you know, I think he's on his sixth season with us or fifth season. That adds up. It adds yeah. up over time. And last year he was in double digits, I think, with 10. So did I drop 10 or 11 last year? So 10. When, yeah. Yeah. When you, when you look at the situation, I'm going to ask you this. And this is something you brought up in the pre production meeting. Is it safe to say that Mikel Antonio, which, I mean, it's a pretty easy answer for me. I mean, this is our striker. This is the guy we're going to move forward for. Um, that means anybody we're looking to buy is looking to be the backup to Antonio. We're not looking to replace Antonio. We're looking to find somebody to back up Antonio. Are you in agreement with that? Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's interesting because if you look on you know, like West Ham Twitter, right, where a majority of people going into this transfer window were really expecting us to pick up somebody like a Tammy Abraham. And they thought that that he was going to be the guy, right? He was going to be the the main striker. And then Antonio would be a little bit more rested. He would be the one that we bring on in the late minutes. He'd be the one that plays in the cup games. Um, I, I I very much feel like it has to be the opposite. Anybody that is brought in at this point needs to take second seat to Mikel. And if anything, they need to earn their spot. They need to work hard. They need to try to get themselves to that starting position. Because, I mean, Mikel's, what, 31, 32? Something like that. So, I mean, like, he's he's getting up there in years. Like, there's, there's only so many more years that he's going to be a viable option up top. But right now, you got to strike while the fire is hot. And the dude is definitely on fire. Uh, I mean, I, I, I pulled up a stat for him. This is, he has 19 goals and seven assists in the last 36 games since the Premier League restart in June of 2020. So, I mean, that's je- like, that's barely more than a year. Uh, and he's got 19 goals. Like, you look at any other striker in the Premier League and you go, yeah, that's a top-level striker. So it's just, it's hilarious to me that we still look at Antonio as, as though he is a misfit in that position. If you put him at right back right now, you'd go, what the what the fuck are we doing? Like, why, why are you wasting him in that position? Not that he can't cross the ball. Not that he can't run with pace up that right-hand side. I'm not taking that away from him. But if he has that pace and he has that, uh, that ability, even if it is sometimes uh, laughable when he takes that shot and he skies it, right? Or if he pulls it too hard uh, past the, the, the goalposts, I get it. There's always going to be frustrating moments. That's, I think, part of living in this West Ham world. But for me, I mean, majority of his goals all happen within the box, especially within the six-yard box. That's a dude that battles. That's a dude that is absolutely up for the fight. He's made jokes on how, like, in FIFA 2021, they had um, Traore Adame as more powerful than than Mikal. And Mikal was talking about, like, well, no, I mean, like, he's beefier than me, but that doesn't make him more powerful. Like, you put us on the pitch, and I'll I'll put him on his backside. You know, like that's why Miguel Pereira didn't come to West Ham. He still has nightmares of when Mikel Antonio bucked him off the ground when we when we played West Brom last year. I mean, there's th- this is a guy that he knows and he loves what he does. And I'm 100% behind him. As long as he can still perform, as long as he can still put the ball in the back of the net, I don't care if he misses one every now and again. Liam, I, 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 this is why we're friends. I, I can't say anything more to add. And I, all I'm going to say is, yeah, if you don't think he's our striker, I really question your fandom and what you've been watching. 
because Michael Antonio, um, I outlined it for you uh, last week. I said, since the restart, he is one of the most prolific goal scorers in the prem. And you just said it right there, 19 goals since the restart. Um, Very impressive for what he's been able to do. Um, Absolutely love this guy and everything he's, He's about, he went through that little period where he thought he was too cool for West Ham United. Like, I'm not going to sit there and shy it away from it. But now he's he's dedicated his future to the club. Um, he signed a five-year deal not too long ago. Um, he is our player. Um, obviously, we have to keep him healthy. It is nice um, if we can get somebody behind him that if he has to miss two or three games, we can have a, a solid player up there. Um, which is part of my frustration. Look, I don't think Josh King is a world beater, but that's why I say we should have made that that happen no matter what um, because Josh King would have been a nice secondary player and would have given us a really good plan B to throw Josh King and Antonio up top if our normal formation is not working. So, yeah, he, he is our striker without question, and I think it's official to say this now, and I'll you brought this up in our pregame notes. Um, yeah, he is a club legend. Mikel Antonio is a club legend. We will sing this song, um, Antonio, the simplest song that we have. <laughs> we will sing it um, at all times because of what this player's done. And you're not going to tell me that a guy that scored 47 goals. Um, now, granted, has he done it with the flash that Paulo DeCanio did it? No, he hasn't. But he has been consistent. Um, we have been begging out for a striker since the days um, I mean, look, Dean Ashton, to me, was one of the better strikers West Ham United ever had, but he was injury prone, wasn't yes. as consistent. He scored some worldly goals. He was phenomenal. So really, like when you're looking at it, this has been the best striker West Ham have had in damn near 20 years. It's one of, it's one of my favorite um, times for, for Dean Ashton when it was the Mark Noble, um, uh, the what's it called? Um the uh you're talking about his um his testimonial m- the yeah, testimonial, testimonial. Yes. yeah when they do the testimonial he did the uh the overhead kick it scores it immediately gets up and asks for a substitution i was like dude that is so dean ashton <laughs> like and he'd been out of the game for a couple of years at that point like obviously not you know he's not the same fit person he was back in the day but yeah i'm with you i mean i, I think we've had some great strikers um in our day i mean you go all the way back to um you know, like uh, DeCanio, you know, we've, I mean, obviously he wasn't a striker, he was a winger, but Trevor Sinclair, you know, also somebody, uh, Paulo Winchop was another uh, uh, great striker for us. You know, I, I think we've had some really good names that have, um, that have come through. Jermaine Def- Defoe, that was another one that was great. I mean, didn't leave on the best of notes, but still when he was with the club, I mean, we've had some great strikers, but I mean, the only one to compete because of length of time, right? Not because of goal production has been astronomical, you know, for only the two or three seasons they were there. And, you know, with DeCanio, he wasn't with us for that many seasons, but to still score that many goals, that's huge. Obviously it's taken Mikel a lot longer uh, to, to hit that same number, but that kind of shows the dedication. So I'm, I'm, I don't know for me if he's quite club legend status yet. I think I kind of reserve that for players that have already retired before I like you know, Mark Noble is probably the only living legend for for West Ham. And by living legend, I don't mean alive, but like currently performing at the club. I mean, obviously like Billy Bonds, um, Bobby Moore, got, you know, God rest his soul, Trevor Brooking, who's still alive. Those are, to me, are legends, right? Like those are club legends. But I think Mark Noble um, has, has definitely uh, put his name up among the rest of them. Antonio, for me, definitely cult hero. Uh, you're right. We will be singing his song for years and years to come, but... Uh, I, I do think once he does hang up the boots, depending on how he leaves West Ham, if he retires with us, I think that goes a long way. If he tries to do like the one random season at like a, you know, an MLS, <laughs> I don't know if that, I don't know if that sends off his legacy quite the same way. I, I mean, I, I respectfully disagree. He's a legend and uh, you'll, <laughs> by the end of the season, I think you will um, agree with my sentiment. Um, as so we wait, all, wait, over over under how many goals do you have for Mikel Antonio? I think he gets fifteen this year. I believe that. All right. I think okay. he gets fifteen. I I don't think he is a good enough finisher to get twenty, but he works hard and he'll get fifteen. He'll play enough games to get fifteen this year. Is my big thing. I think we get thirty games out of him, and if nice. we do that, I think he'll he'll get half a goal a game, 
And that, that to me is what I think he's able to accomplish. I think this will be his most healthy season. I saw his workout regiment in the first season. I know that it's very important to him to stay as healthy as, as possible. We know he's not going to play all 38. We know he's going to have a hamstring issue at some point. I'm just hoping that it's only keeps him out for four games. And then obviously with Europa League, I'm sure he'll get four games off here and there. Um, especially if we find a way to get a striker in before the end of this window, I think then 30 games is a realistic number for him. Um, so let's move on. Obviously you just talked about might need to need to get a striker in to be somebody to back up, not surplant Mikel Antonio. So let's move into transfer news. And as always, we go to the transfer expert here on American <laughs> hammers radio, Liam bright, Liam, uh, hit us with some transfer news, man. Our, our squad depth for transfers must be really sad. If I am the, uh, if I'm the premier choice for, for this segment, uh, not a whole lot to update. Nikola Milenkovic uh, is off, as reports had come out, that his agent was asking for $11 million in fees. So even signing the player at like $15 million uh, was going to put him drastically over uh, what would have ultimately been a cheaper option with going with Zuma. Um, the other word now that's been coming out is that uh, he was never asked to leave and that he was basically leveraging us and you know other, other clubs to try to get a better deal uh, with Fiorentino. So, I mean, he's re-signed. A multi-year contract, so he's he's stuck in there. Uh, there was reports that FC Cole midfielder Elise Shakiri was reportedly accepted a move to uh, West Ham United, but he has the same agent as Milenkovic, so I think that that was probably like a two-for-one type deal, uh, but there has been no other reports for anything for him coming in. Uh, we have expressed interest in signing a 25-year-old French winger named Jonathan Bamba. Uh, he currently plays with Lille, in Liga Un in the French league, uh, and Lille was actually the champions uh, last season. So this would this would actually be a really good pickup, and it would offer us some, uh, you know, at a decent age, it would give us some more squad depth in the in the midfield. Uh, uh, we have put in a bid for uh, Duje Coletta Carr at a 15 million plus bonuses uh, and other add-ons, uh, and that would be pulling the Marseille defender uh, over into our camp, which I actually think would be. Uh, uh, a great addition, and it would give us a little bit more competition at the center back. Uh, there's still word that Lingard may be returning to West Ham. It does seem that he is interested in a return, uh, but he is waiting for the club to actually reach out to him, which I, I think is interesting because I wonder if that is based on the comments that he had made previously, that he did want to try to earn his spot at Manchester United, uh, which, as we said, he basically had a cameo appearance in today's match. Um, or if this is just uh, we're priced out and just Moyes doesn't want to spend or Sullivan doesn't want to spend that money and they think that there's better, cheaper options elsewhere or they saw what Ben Rama's been able to do and they feel that Lingard would be surplus and that they wouldn't be able to guarantee him gain time over the players that we have like Bowen, Fornals, and Ben Rama. You bring up some good points there. Obviously, the transfer wire is always a little depressing for any West Ham United fan because you you want to see your club chasing guys that are names that you recognize because you you have, you know, delusions of grandeur, like all fans do, that we are going to, um, you know, be chasing after these big names. The reality of the situation is since, since David Moyes has been here, um, you kind of look at the buys that David Moyes has made, and you have to ask yourself legitimately, if David Moyes is not beating down the door of the boardroom to get certain guys in, that may send a message that he might be very confident in what he has. Now, obviously, depth is always important. When you're going through um, a Europa League, you're going to need depth. You're going to have to have that. But when you really think about it, I don't think we need much. I agree that it would be nice to get some center back competition. I agree with you there. I also think it'd be nice to get a backup striker that is – Solid enough, but outside of that, and I'm including the midfield in this, I don't see much that we need, Liam. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this: looking at who David Moyes has bought, and the fact that it doesn't seem like we're beating down the door for anybody, do you feel confident that if West Ham United don't bring anybody in from this point forward, that we have a deep enough squad to not only be competitive in the Premier League, but also competitive in the Europa League? You know, I, I'm i kind of kicking myself saying it, but yeah, I, I, I kind of do have faith in us this season. I mean, you look at even at the, even throughout last season, right, when 
Mikel was injured, when Declan was injured uh, coming off of the uh, the England matches and we didn't have deck for several, everybody had us pegged to like, oh, their talisman is gone. They're, they're screwed now. They're, they're definitely going to take losses. And, you know, we were still able to, to pick up points without some very key players. And, you know, I think of the preseason uh, matches that we played where we did feature a lot of youth. I think of the U23s just defeating Arsenal's U23s 6-1. to one. I mean, And granted, Yarmo, uh, Lanzini, and Masuaku were all featured in, the, in that match as well. But the goals didn't come from those guys. You know, I, like, what's you that? Just, you just dropped the name. I forgot we had Arthur Masuaku. We, what do we need in the midfield? Masuaku, oh my God, I love that guy. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Like that, and that's the thing is like when he's fit, that dude is a whole nother level. And that's something that I think Ben Rama starts, but to have somebody like Masawaku that can come in off the bench on that kind of winger wing back, uh, left-hand side, I, I think that to me, uh, is going to scare back lines. That's going to pin back fullbacks for teams that really rely on them to bomb forward. Uh, so I, I'll be interested to see, with the youth that has showcased so well, like Armstrong Oxoflex, Ox- um, Oco- this is a crazy name. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Nevers was another one that that showed really well. Uh, Chambers showed really well. I mean, there's a bunch of of youth players that have have really stepped up. And you and I talked about in the last episode, Connor Coventry. I mean, here's a youth player, very young player, hungry, an Irishman. I think I think this kid definitely has what it takes to break into the first team. But I'll be honest, if I if I when I say I don't think he's the only one, I think you easily have four to five players that you could bring up from the U23 squad, and you don't have a huge drop-off in talent. Yes, in game experience, and they're probably going to make little mistakes here or there, just um, in-game decision, but the more matches you can give them i.e. Europa League, you know, the group stages, Premier League, you know, when we play teams that that are towards the bottom, like Norwich, right? I mean, yeah, I'd love to have Mikel go back and score another four goals against them, but, uh, you know, maybe you give some of these younger players a chance to showcase. What about you, man? Are, are you Do you have the faith in this squad, or do you feel like we're incredibly dependent on having at least one or two more signings? I, I just want you to know that I've done a full 180. I, I just have faith in Moyes. Um, he's proven to me that I need to shut my mouth. He knows what he's doing. Um, It's very obvious that he had a run of very, very poor luck when he took the United job, wasn't backed. When he left and went to Spain, he took over a situation that nobody was going to be successful. And Sir Alex Ferguson wouldn't have been successful in that situation. Um, Then, you know, he comes to West Ham United, um, wasn't backed. His job was to get us in the 17th job done. Thank you very much. They brought him back for the second stint. In the second stint, he was like, look, if you're going to bring me back, it's obvious that you you like this, but I want some guarantees. He got those guarantees. He got he basically put into his contract a little bit of forced backing, if you will. And my thing is this. If he ain't beating down the door for somebody, then David Moyes clearly can identify talent. I remember being on the fence about bringing in Jesse Lingard. Like, why are you doing that? And David Moyes like, absolutely, we're going to do this. And then look what Jesse Lingard did. If Jesse Lingard knows what's best for himself, you need to you need to not worry about wearing the Manchester United on your Manchester United on your shirt. You need to be somewhere where you're wanted, where you're going to be given the role. And the thing is with Jesse Lingard, I guarantee you, David Moyes would talk to him and be like, "Look, if anything happens to Mikel Antonio, we're going to play you as a false nine. You're going up top." And, you know, we're going to let we're going to have four basically really creative players up there that are just rotating around, causing all sorts of problems. And that's how you get Jesse Lingard on the field. But the truth is, do we actually like, look, every West Ham fan wants Lingard back. Why? Because of what he did last year. But what every West Ham fan forgets to remember about Jesse Lingard is do you really want to pull off Fornells? Do you really want to pull off Benarama? Do you really want to pull off Jared Bowen? I would think in your head that would be a very tough decision. And no offense to Jesse Lingard, but Bowen, Ben Harama, and uh, Pablo Fornells, I believe all of them are under 27 years old. Yeah. Like that's that's pretty impressive where I believe Jesse Lingard is 28. And I'm not I'm not saying that in a bad thing. I'm saying there is years for those guys to work together to be something very formidable and develop that chemistry over a long period of time. So 
Yeah, I, I have plenty of faith that West Ham United have everything that they need. If they buy anything, it is center back competition and it is a backup striker. Notice I said there is nothing we need to be in the starting lineup. I think Cresswell is being regenerized. Vladimir Sufal has really given us this ability at right back that we've craved. Our midfield is probably the best, highest competition part of our team. And Mikel Antonio is solidified being that striker up top. So when you really break it down, West Ham United have everything they need to be successful this year and push for a Champions League place. And I firmly stand by that. With all that, we have a game coming up tomorrow. Um, We are recording this on Sunday afternoon against Leicester City. This is a big one for us. Last year, we owned this team. We took six points off of them. What Newcastle were to us last year, we were to Leicester City. So, The question is, can we continue this? Um, Obviously, Leicester City um, are in a really good form. As always, they tend ever since their champion, uh, their championship situation in the cell of N'Golo Conte, they have really done a phenomenal job of building that squad and keeping it young and having very solid players. And obviously, Jamie Vardy is still there, and he will always be a goal threat um, until he decides to hang up his cleats. So when you really look at it, um, this is a pretty big match for West Ham United because I look at this is a team that we want to be competing with because if we're competing with them, we know they're going to be in the top seven spots of the table, top seven, eight spots. And this is a big game for us. We obviously had their number last year. It's going to be interesting to see if we can continue it. Um, We both have three points right now. We are above them on goal differential. We have a plus two to their plus one. It is the home opener of the London Stadium. Um, So it's going to be good to get our boys in front of our fans um, in that match. Um, So real quick, before we go into our starting 11, what are your initial thoughts going into this game without giving me the score prediction yet? Let's not give that two away. But what are your thoughts about the magnitude of West Ham Leicester City? I mean, this is a huge, huge match. And let's keep in mind, too, that we were the only team to do the double on them last season. So, I mean, that's that that to me speaks volume. And that's that's not to put anything against Leicester. I think that they are top talent. I think uh, in my heart, I firmly believe that them and us have replaced Arsenal and Tottenham in that top six conversation. So if you really want to talk about those teams that are going to be fighting for champion uh, Champions League spots, these are the six teams, right? I, I, I don't. I don't think any other team really, really comes close. Um, so I, I do believe this is going to be a tough match. I don't think this is going to be a three nil dismantling like we, like we saw the the first time we played them last season. Uh, but I, I do feel confident uh, with the squad that we have versus what they have. Um, you know, and, and I really think that with this being the home own opener, like having the full stadium behind. These players think about what just that upper deck, that upper tier was able to do to motivate and uh, um, inject a sense of energy. Like Mikhail talked about, it, it allowed them to give 20% more effort on the pitch, having having our fans in those stands. I mean, that's it's going to be 120% more effort once you have that packed stadium uh, for the home opener. So I'm I'm definitely. I'm going to be on cloud nine, man. I'm going to be real excited that it's going to be rocking. It's going to be deafening in that, in that stadium. I'm going to wish that I was there in person, uh, but either way, I'm still going to enjoy this match. How about you? Uh, Liam, I, you, you know me. You go to these Fresno Irons matches. You, you sit with me. I am a very passionate, intense fan. So um, I have been flirting with taking a half day tomorrow from my job off. And I think after talking to you, you've got me excited. I'm probably going to put in for a substitute teacher tomorrow from 1130 uh, on until that match is over. Because I look, I, I don't want to miss the home opener of what I do believe is going to be one of the most special seasons in West Ham United history. I, I, I am that optimistic about what we can achieve. So knowing that, who is your starting 11 for this match? Uh, I I wouldn't change a winning side, man. I would keep I'm, to save time. I'm going to go exactly who we put out this last uh, this last match. I think you you keep everybody the same. What about you, Tex? Yes, Liam. We are becoming <laughs> best friends again. You don't change a winning side. The team should be coming out the exact same. I think you get those center backs. Um, you you rip their ass during the during the week and say, don't you let Callum fucking Wilson split you ever again. I think we're going to come out. That defense is going to have something to prove. Ogbonna is one hell of a player. I think Craig Dawson um, really feed him. I think there's a really good partnership there. Um, so I really, really like that. 
Um, I don't change the starting lineup either. Uh, hit me with your score prediction. Um, I think we this one's going to be close. It'll probably be similar to what we did the second time we played them. I think it'll be another 2-1. Um, I would love it to be 2-0 so we can get the shutout. I mean, that's going to help us with the goal differential because that'll give us from that plus 2 to plus 4 over um, uh, uh, over Leicester. And really, any goal that we score above what they score is going to help increase that differential. So, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to give faith in that back line this time. I'm going to say 2-0. God damn it, you took my scoreline. I'm saying 2-0 <laughs> as well. Um, the reason I'm saying 2-0 is because I think that defense is going to come out with something to prove. I think it was a little embarrassing for them uh, to let that goal. I saw the reaction of the players on the pitch. Um, now, the second goal from Matt Ritchie, like, I mean, Matt Ritchie didn't score it, but, you know, drawn down to the byline, sending that ball in, great job. Um, I, I have no issues with that goal. That's just a well-worked goal by Newcastle. Um, I, I honestly think, Leicester City are not as a good of form of us. I think we are in better form. I think we've been in better form since the preseason. We continued into the first match of the year. I think West Ham get the 2-0 victory, and I think that they win this game. Surprisingly, I think it's going to shock a lot of the pundits of how dominant we're going to be in the game and not be able to give Leicester City a foothold. Not that Leicester City won't get their opportunities. They will, like every good side does. But I think West Ham will limit those, and I think West Ham will get the lion's share of the better opportunities, and they will put two past the keeper to get that 2-0 win. So who are your goal scorers? You know what? I I would love for for Mickey to get that goal at home, the first home game of the season, and it puts him at forty eight, the absolute dominant. You know the the above and beyond, and then let him get two, man. Let him get the brace. Let Mickey knock in two, so he just completely, uh, uh, you know, kills all the doubters. Every hater will have to sit there and eat some crow when they see Mickey Antonio not score one but two, and then we'll be begging for that hat trick for him. We will be on pins and needles waiting for a hat trick. How about you, man? Uh, goal score is very simply. First goal is going to come off something crazy, and it will be Pablo Fornals. We'll get the first <laughs> one of the match. And, yes, I do agree. Mickey Antonio is going to get on the score sheet for the second week in a row. He will score a 60- to 65th-minute goal that will literally take the life out of Leicester City as we go up 2-0. Uh, when we do that, I think West Ham United are going to start flexing their muscle from that point on, and they will drive home that victory um, and really be the side that we think they are. So those are my two goal scorers. Who's your man of the match? So I will actually echo your first goal scorer there, and I will say Pablo Fernals will be man of the match. I'm going to actually say that he he sets up the chances for both goals, even though Ben Rama and Bowen will be the ones that get the assists. So Fornals will be the unsung hero because he doesn't technically get the assist credit, but both chances will be created because of his work rate. See, this is what's sad. You can kind of take, <laughs> I think, I think it's Saeed Ben Rama and I think he gets both assists, there but I wouldn't be shocked if Pablo Fornals is the guy that fed him the ball before he made the assist. Um, so th that's my man of the match is Saeed Benrahma. I, I think that after that goal he scored last season, I think he's ready to take off. And I think that people are going to understand this is why West Ham United are not going to go and break the bank for Jesse Lingard. Um, I think they would absolutely take Jesse Lingard, but the reality is I think Saeed Benrahma is about to show the world what he's capable of. So, um, looking at that, it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. It's time for our yellow and red cards. I'll go first on the yellow card. Um, I'm going to give a yellow card to uh, us, specifically me, for uh, not being able to get this podcast out when we anticipated on Wednesday. Obviously, we're doing it on Sunday before the match, which means if some of you listen to it, <clears throat> it may be after the match, which makes us sound either like geniuses or total idiots. It's going to be one <laughs> of the two. Um, so, that's my yellow card. Who's yours? Uh, my yellow card is actually going to go to Pi Capital. So PAI, they are the uh, consortium that is apparently putting in multiple bids to try to buy out West Ham United. And they have been a PR nightmare from everything from releasing statements solely on the West Ham way as opposed to, you know, to the uh, supporters at large, as well as going on having Philip Beard go on to TalkSport and get completely dismantled uh, by Simon uh, Jordan. It, it, which I rarely agree with Simon, but I, I, he had a lot of really good points in that uh, TalkSport interview. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of gray area here. I, I'm still firmly GSB out, uh, but I'm not quite 
Pi Capital Inn. What, uh, what about you for your red card, man? Red card is going to be, uh, here's the truth here. The red card is going to every freaking pundit that didn't say shit about West Ham United's comeback 4-2 victory. All they said, we get a little blurb on NBC Sports here in America. Oh, West Ham find a way to come back and win 4-2. Good win for the Hammers. Moving on to Manchester United and the fact that they are wearing socks this week. That is <laughs> that is the ridiculousness of the situation. I don't understand it. West Ham United, the brilliant season they had last year, finishing in sixth, not even looked at as an option because they didn't quote unquote bring in players. And I think we are all slowly realizing there wasn't a ton of need. The players that we have are very, very good. That's why Byron Munich is sniffing around Thomas Suchek. That is why people are starting to take notice of Jared Bowen and Liverpool's like, Ooh, Jared Bowen. And so there's all these things that are happening. So the reality of the situation is let's be real here and understand that West Ham United have a very good squad that can compete with anybody. And the one thing we do, that other teams don't that are in that top six is because we're not changing out players all the time, trying to buy the biggest name. We're allowing this squad to play together and they play together for an extended period of time. And team chemistry is very high. So my red card goes to everybody out there. That's not talking about West Ham United and what we're capable of. Who's yours. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Clareton Hugh. So I'm, I'm sure most people listening to the show would be familiar with the, the uh, news duo of uh, of uh, Claret and Hugh, and uh, I'm going to give them my red card because they've been sitting here posting articles trying to uh, downplay the significance of Sullivan not opening his purse springs and trying to lay all the blame on David Moyes. And I'll be honest, guys, you're never going to be able to spin that story and have true West Ham supporters believe the drivel that you post. Be honest with it. Call out the problems as you see it, but don't try to throw Moyes under the bus when he has done more for this football club than any manager in years. Like it, it, it's laughable what you're what you're putting out there, and we're tired of it. Don't make us mute you because I don't want to try to shut down West Ham fan, fans or supporters. I want us all to be able to support the club we love and all of us to support each other. Uh, I guess I'm kind of hippy dippy in that regard, but uh, don't piss me off, man. I'll fucking block you like yesterday's news. And it's true. He's done it to me multiple occasions. I've <laughs> I had do. To, I've had to leave flowers on your doorstep. So I you have to keep. You have to keep changing your cell phone number. It's the only way you get me. <laughs> um, I, with that, we want to say thank you to everybody that listened. Obviously, um, this is a situation um, that West Ham United. We as fans, it's it's very fun for us to be in this situation. It really truly is, and I think that this is going to be a very special season for West Ham. We're finally going to see the fruits of what we thought we were going to be when we first moved into this London stadium. Um, Maybe the board is finally going to make good on all those promises they made just about three years too late. So um, who knows here? So if you find yourself in Fresno, California tomorrow around noon and like, man, West Ham's playing well too bad. The Fresno irons aren't going to be meeting. So I'm very sorry, but uh, you can definitely hit us up and uh, hopefully you can find a stream, but this team, I'm telling you guys, we got to back this team. we got to back this manager. This could be very, very special. Um, for Liam, this is Tex. This is American Hammers Radio. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, come, come on, on, you irons. irons.